uh, I got into this print making class and I just kept making art around queer people and queer things because they were the most beautiful thing to me and femmes. Uh. Print friends, and welcome to the 35th episode of Pine Copper Lime, the internet's number one printmaking podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release an episode every two weeks, and on the off weeks, I publish an article on the Pine Copper Lime website, which features images and maybe a bit more information about the artist I'm going to interview. Oh boy, print friends. Do you even remember what the world was like last time we spoke? It was only two weeks ago, but it feels like a lifetime away for many of us, I think. You'll remember my wonderful chat with Joseph Velasquez, in which he mentioned all of his big plans for the upcoming SGCI conference in San Juan, Puerto Rico. This was before phrases like social distancing and flatten the curve were coming up every day and before that conference was rescheduled. Rescheduled, mind you, not cancelled, which means that all of the good things that were said in that episode, and all of the good things you're going to hear in this episode, still apply. We just don't know when it's going to happen. But before I get you all jazzed about this week's chat, I need to give a quick shout out to our wonderful Patreon supporters. Supporters like Shannon Bourne. She became a supporter at the Pine Copper Love Fest level. Shannon is an educator, and she wrote me a beautiful message about being able to share these episodes with her students. Thank you so much for your support and for your kind message. I've actually been getting a few messages here and there lately about people using PCL more and more with their students now that they're teaching online in our life in the time of corona. I'm just beginning a little self-isolating myself, so I'm going to try and ramp up the output of Pine Copper Lime episodes to every week for the next little while to try and help those of you out who are using this podcast as an educational resource. Plus, I have so many amazing conversations already recorded in the pipeline, I just can't wait to share them. Printmaking forever, shun the non-believers, reschedule that party. And speaking of amazing chats, my guest this week is Jessica Marie Mercy, a printmaker, visual artist, and self-identified femme-queer bitch from Seattle, Washington. Her artistic practice revolves around preserving and celebrating queer spaces and queer community through documentation. She does so with beautifully rendered relief works and photo-based screen prints, all produced in vibrant, unapologetic colors, which balance the rawness of a gig poster with the detailing of a reduction woodcut landscape. As I mentioned before, you'll be able to tell from this interview that we thought our printmaking conference was still moving forward at the time of recording. But I've left all that chat in because I think it's important to hear the ways in which Jessica is killing it at community organizing. So sit back, relax, and prepare to really, really, really wish SGCI was happening this year with Jessica Marie Mercy. Hi, Jessica. How's it going? Hi, Miranda. It's, it's going really well. Excellent. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy to finally have you on the podcast. We have been playing round robin with time and schedules and the 
absolute insanity that has been 2020 thus far, I feel like, um, for quite a few months. And I'm really, really glad that we got to do it before SGCI 2020 um, because you've got some big plans for it that I'm really excited to share with people. But before we dive into all of that, would you just let our good listeners know who you are, where you are, and what you do? Uh, absolutely, Miranda. I am more than happy to let you know who I am. I am Jessica Marie Mercy. Uh, I'm a printmaker uh, and visual artist and all-around femme uh, queer bitch from Seattle, Washington. Uh, I do a lot about printmaking. I, um, I do a lot of printmaking, and I organize a lot of um, queer space preservation uh, via documentation. Um, I love making art about a queer community and uh, all my fabulous people. I also do a lot of drag um, and performance, so I get to be in community a lot. But yeah, I love making art around queer people. I love making art around femmes. I love supporting and connecting community. And I love talking with cool people like you. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I love that kind of holistic explanation of of your art and the ways that you express yourself and how it is all kind of based around like the idea of queer community and queer spaces, which are in a way two sides of the same coin, of course. And I'd love to dive into a bit about the actual work that you're doing around that. But before we kind of get into all those good juicy details, can you just tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what role art, whether it was performance or visual art making, kind of played in that part of your life? Uh, yeah, I grew up in a little tiny, very conservative town in the middle of Washington State um, in the Pacific Northwest called Yakima, Washington. Wow. Mm. Uh, Oh, what a journey. Um, <laughs> I have a very uh, pretty religious conservative family across the board. So I spent most of that time just kind of sitting in my room and reading books and playing uh, like Dungeons and Dragons, um, you know, doing that playing video games. And I just didn't really have any kind of sense of my queerness or like anything like that. Um, I, you know, I did have like a thank you, dad. I did have a unrated like unlocked blockbuster card so I did get to watch really hot gay movies so like but I'm a cheerleader and like girl play and better than chocolate so I kind of like I think that was my first exposure to like queer art in my tiny uh -huh. town and then the yeah. internet yeah internet happened and then fast forward to I decided to go back to college up here and I had been performing a lot and you know working as a bartender and doing just like tons of drag and go-go dancing in queer nightlife forever but I just I knew I wanted to make art but I didn't know what and so I stumbled um into North Seattle Community College here in Seattle and I had the uh, absolute pleasure of going into Amanda Knowles's drawing class and I fucking hated drawing um, I, <laughs> I was no good at it I had no, no patience for it um and I felt like it took me like 10 hours longer than anybody else no joke to do the same kind of thing like I just didn't see that way and I would just complain to Amanda like wow I thought I wanted to be a comic book artist but this sucks and uh, she told me the story about uh perspective that like really got me into like her way of teaching and kind of art in a new way and um she told me that she got 
this assignment to draw this staircase at her college and like pencil draw the staircase. And she just like sat in front of it crying all night because she couldn't do it. And I was like, okay, I'm, and you're teaching art. So maybe I, this crybaby femme, um, queer cancer baby, like maybe I can also make art. And she was a printmaker. And I was just like, mm. this sounds cool. So I tripped into my first printmaking class and I had so much fun. And the first print I made actually was this huge close-up monotype of my favorite drag queen's lips. And my favorite mm. drag queen is an amazing babe here in Seattle named Coochie Banaka, who I just like love. I love drag queens. It's my first and greatest love next to my dog sugar and my hot girlfriend Kim um and my daughter Mimi fuck all of them I love them all too um you've got, you've got lots of love lots of love yeah so much but yeah so I had this uh, I got into this printmaking class and I just kept making art around queer people and queer things because they were the most beautiful thing to me and femmes mm. uh, and something happened there was a ghost ship fire in San Francisco mm-hmm. um and we lost a lot of really amazing community members and artists in this DIY space that was like well attended and there were a lot of events that happened there and it was really tragic and still is and there are spaces like that up here in Seattle too and everywhere uh, queers tend to like gather in a lot of DIY spaces so we can have the freedom to create art or be around each other um, in safe and like important ways and I find some of the best parties and best gathering spots happen in those mm-hmm. spaces mm-hmm. and so it was really like a wake-up call to me that I was obsessed with seeing queer spaces I guess or being being inside them and like when the lights were on when the party was over just seeing like how they were decorated and like all the history and like the numbers written on the wall and the art and just like Oh, it just, it filled me with so much, so many feelings. And so I decided to start preserving them. I decided to start, um, that I would document bars, uh, here in Seattle. So I started with Pony, which is this amazing queer bar on Madison, but I believe you've been to, is that right? Oh, I was, yeah, I've been to the, the original Pony when it was on Pine. Oh, um, bless. And <sighs> it had this incredible kind of end of the world feel to it. Because that whole block that was being torn down in Seattle was full of queer history and queer spaces. And it was sort of the first major fall on Capitol Hill of that side and that history of that neighborhood disappearing. It felt like in Pony, it was this beginning of the end, the crumbling end of the world. And every night there felt like the last night on Earth. Well, that is like, that's perfect. (laughs) And then it it ended up being quite successful and it moved to its current location, which I've also been to a little bit up the way. I'd love to hear you talk about physically the space too, because it's it's very important, I think, so people can kind of picture, you know, an example of these these queer spaces that you're documenting. Yeah. And I think you kind of like described it perfectly, like every night in Pony kind of feels like the last night on earth. And I feel Mm -hmm. like every night feels like that, except for the karaoke nights. I feel like that always feels like it's just like the most perfect timeless night. Mm. I don't know why. I love hearing I love hearing queer babies belt out Kate Bush songs. It's literally my <laughs> it's it's so, it's so good. There's something so pure about it. But yeah, I don't know. You walk into this bar, and for one, like like gays gays know how to make a space. Like there mm. are giant paper mache dicks just hanging from the ceiling that were part of like its first art installation when it first opened. Um, there's like this beautiful curving bar with these huge railings that you can just kind of like hang off of when you're just a little toasted in the line. Uh, it's like super dark. Gays know how to make a dark bar. Thank you. Cause <laughs> we don't want to be seen. Please. I don't want I want to like be half seen. I want my makeup to look like I spent time on it. 
Um, and I just don't get that with like a Safeway lighting bar or like a, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, there's just, there's so much like one of the, my favorite things when I started doing these spaces is I started, I started to be able to see pieces and parts of the space that no one really knew about, or like very few people, like people who work there knew about mm. like in pony underneath the shelf where all the bottles are lined up. There is just like this beautiful, like maj podge collage and glued pieces of broken and, and cut up credit cards that have been left there over the years. Mm. And so it's like this rainbow, like art deco, like it's a it's like a sensational feat for your hands to like touch them. And there's just like, there it has to be a hundred or more. It, it's such a huge shelf and there are so many pieces of credit card and like it's just one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen and I, I stared at it for so long I have literally 50 pictures of it and I just couldn't imagine ever not being able to know that this existed and like the thought that gentrification or like you know that the building could get sold for a high rise or some mm. terrible urban outfitters <laughs> just like made me want to die and so I was like well I have to document every single one of these spaces that I that I hold really dear and like make them into fine art and then get into higher education and academia and these and these conferences and start talking about about why queer spaces are so important and why you need to give queer makers money so that we can keep these spaces open alive and thriving but like also just look at them like they're gorgeous like mm -hmm. i love i love looking at all of the graffiti in the bathrooms documenting the glory holes or um especially in the behind of a drag bar, like where all the queens and all the femmes and everyone gets ready, like just the lipstick, like smudges that are on the wall. Like it's mm. just, it's beautiful. And I love every piece and part of it. And it's all just such a masterful collection of stories. And I just love imagining what those stories are. And I love when I make the art, getting the absolute pleasure of hearing some of those stories. Some people will be like, oh, I remember when this got tagged here and they will tell me a story about it. And I get to hear mm. this new piece and part of this puzzle this like little bit of gay history yeah. and I just love it it's, it's my favorite thing yeah that's so beautiful and I'm sure there's something to the fact that so much love and attention is paid to these spaces that speaks to the place emotionally they hold for queer people and speaking to your own narrative a little bit, talking about in Yakima, where the only queer space was like certain sections of the blockbuster video, maybe. Right? Oh, yeah. And if, yeah. And if there were gays, I did not know they existed. If there was like some beautiful rancher dyke out there in Moxie, <laughs> I didn't know you were there. And I'm sorry. Like... <laughs> Isn't that the dream? Like, <laughs> my God, <laughs> like 10 goats, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Strong hands. Um, sorry. <laughs> Fast car. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And, and that idea, too, of the fact that you're taking places that until very, very recently, um, and I think maybe you could even argue in, in maybe some context still are, you know, maybe sort of hidden places, places that were had to be sought out through word of mouth and the fact that you are documenting them and moving them into art spaces. And it's funny, you were talking about like the light, right? Like a, a dark bar, but yeah. your art, the images that you make in this documentation, they're being pulled out and into the bright lights of a gallery space or of, of an academic setting. And I just kind of love that transition, which we use in so many ways to make something that might be subversive, p 
pull it out and frame it in a way that gives it a kind of preciousness that fine art can do, that art making can do. Oh, thank you. I, I am so happy to find other people that feel the same way about these spaces. And it means so much to be interviewed by someone who like has an intimate knowledge of what I'm talking about. Mm. It's like, I love talking to strangers about it. Obviously I love like getting really passionate about it and showing them details and telling little stories like that to get them excited about just knowing these spaces exist. But like, I love talking about it with people who've been there mm. and who, who know that feeling Yeah, you know, at one thirty in the morning, you know, that yeah. feeling <laughs> when the world's ending. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, yeah. Without getting too far away from your your printmaking practice and all of that. I would love it though if you could speak just a little bit to drag culture and that side of your art practice and I think that it's significant that that side of your self-expression and your life is fueling you getting to see the queer spaces and just kind of how how they relate and how you think about those two sides of of what you do. I mean, even on my website, like under my artist statement, when I was thinking about photos that I should post, I was like, you know, I'm just going to do the ones that I take out and drag because mm. I, you can see other fancier pictures of me like laying, laying my beautiful print down on this beautiful <laughs> press bed. Thank you, Jaslyn Stone, the best and hottest photographer of my life. I don't know. There's something like if you don't know that most of my life is think is like putting on a wig in my house and singing to mm. um, a beautiful 90s house track then you really don't know me like you're always going to find me backstage and hanging out with my favorite queens I love drag I love performance I love the performance of gender of any gender I think mm. that it's all a performance anyway True. Um, so <laughs> it's just like I I love being amongst all my drag sisters and my drag moms my drag daughters and making jokes and seeing their beautiful art and seeing the way they interpret a song or how they want to bring up an issue to us um, and do it in like comical, painful, beautiful, really like life-changing ways. Like I've had so many nights where I got to see drag and my, you know, opinions have been so affirmed or, mm. you know, I get to see a piece of a person that I would have never seen. I get to see a vulnerability of a person that is larger than life especially in Seattle drag. It's just like, we have, we have such a beautiful, like enriching culture of drag up here. And it's just, it's the best. And I, I feel so privileged to be a part of it and be able to witness it. And I get to know like the smartest, funniest, wildest, like hottest people. It's the best. <laughs> um, everyone should come see drag in Seattle. It's all yeah. great. Come see it. Come support it. Yeah. RuPaul's drag race is, ugh. Um, so just <laughs> come see some real drag. Yeah, I, I don't know. So I it was always there and I performed it and I lived it. I would get dressed up. And so it just became so natural to want to take pictures of my beautiful friends that I just mm. spent hours, you know, painting my face with and just like take this beautiful picture of them and then turn it into like some soft, elegant print. And I think it started with um, I took a picture of my drag mom's uh uh, Beautifully No Kipple and Harlot Oscara. I love you both. Um, I took a picture of their makeup table. It was like mm -hmm. kind of clean, but they had both just done a show. So there was like some stuff around. And I just remember getting these like close up, like juicy, gritty pictures of like eyelashes on a cup, you know, like just yeah. like all that stuff. <laughs> Bunges of every color. Um, and just like loving it. I don't know. I, and so I just, I feel like that me documenting and being in queer spaces has just kind of always been a part of me ever since I knew that I was gay. I was like, Oh, I love the spaces where I get to be gay mm -hmm. because for so long I was 
I couldn't do that. I just was not able to be around it. So once I found it, I was like, I'm never leaving. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that's why I was so drawn to it. And the older I get, the easier it is to make art about other fun things like Kate Bush or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. else. But I, my first love will always be taking these spaces that we spend so much time in and we, and we speak with so many friends and we talk about so many heartbreaks and we celebrate so many successes. I want people to remember them when they're gone. I want people to remember them while they're here and go to them and support them and critique them and make them better. And Mm -hmm. I want to have a living, thriving community center for all of us, you know, and bars are one space where that happens. And I think that also, you know, DIY spaces and house spaces. And now, you know, even more frequently, there's all ages spaces. There's West End Girls by Cookie Couture over at Skylark in West Seattle, where you can take any party of any age to see drag. And I think that's such a cool era we're living in right now, where you can be a tiny queer person and go out and see adults that are queer, because I just never really had that until I was much older. And it's, it's so different to be able to hear about experiences from somebody in community with you, like it's, it's life-changing. Yeah. It was actually such a treat this year. I got the privilege to work with uh, this queer elder printmaker. Oh, she hates it when I say elder. I'm so sorry. <laughs> a wise queer peer printmaker named Kirsten Gardens. And she was just amazing to work with. And uh, she works for Pratt and she does, and it's like this master screen printer. She's so cool. I, absolutely was like I got to like print my new I printed this year like a nine layer um silk screen of this uh infinity mirror inside this bar called creme work where a lot of my favorite drag happens a lot of great drag and it it was a part of my residency for Pratt Fine Arts I got this amazing year-long residency where I got to make work there um here in Seattle it's I got to work with this amazing babe Kirsten she and I got to pull this huge print together and this nine layer print and just like making art with her was so fun because she got it. Like she understood, like we worked on the same level. We listened to the same music. We knew the same people. She's Mm. worked at rebar for like over 20 years. She's just like, has been a part of the scene forever. So it was just like a whole nother world making art with somebody that was in my peer group that knew all about why this was important and like knew the challenges of trying to get it out there. Um, yeah, it was kind of life-changing being able yeah. to work with queer people. And I really want to like continue that and and be and make art and print with queer people and just like to be in the studio space of there's something so magical about working with community. I think it's hugely significant and that importance of that community space for queer people to be connected. Printmaking, I think, is so well suited to this as well because printmaking is of course, as we talk about quite often on the podcast, so community focused. And I think I'd just love to hear you talk about the ways in which in the Venn diagram, printmaking and queerness are are sort of sharing. I find printmaking to be just the gayest art um, <laughs> in general. Uh, no, I think that it's, it's you've made a, like a really important uh, correlation. I think that why I, I took to printmaking so quickly is that aspect of community and helping each other and just making it no big deal to reach over and be like, Hey, what do you think about this line that I made? Like, can you, like, what do you, what do you see in these colors or what, what kind of technique are you using? Like, I really want to learn. And I feel like that's very similar to how I was, you know, in community with queers, especially backstage and with drag Queens. It was like, 
girl, can you help me get these nails on really quick? Like, what do you think about like, this is the concept? Like, I don't know, like this dress, mm -hmm. like, it, am I saying the right thing? Like, we check this and make sure like, and so I think that there's just something about that that I love when it makes art less scary when you can just be in open conversation with other artists that are in the same field and get inspired by them and like have them witness you being like oh I hate this piece like throw it out and then being like actually no I really like it for these reasons you're like I don't even know what you're talking about mm -hmm. Tony but okay <laughs> um I don't know. There's something just really beautiful about that, that I, that I didn't find in like my drawing classes or my painting classes. Cause it was such a, like a solitary moment for me in those, in those spaces. But like printmaking always felt like it kind of felt like recess. Honestly, everyone was here to help. And if something went wrong, I wasn't the only person there. There were five other people that knew way better than I did. And then I got to be the person that knew better than everybody else at some point, which is also fun. Yes, and like fix good. everyone's little fires. I love <laughs> fixing fires. I think it's great. And affirming your art is great. But yeah, I don't know. I think that they're so similar. I think that queer people do um, a decent job sometimes when we can get it together, when we can wake up before 2 p.m., we can like really rally <laughs> and like support each other and like donate to each other and get each other to the doctor and mm -hmm. help each other move out of a toxic relationship. Like wh whatever you need, if you put it out there, queer community has a habit of showing up. And I think that that's something that printmaking does too sometimes um, and where they're kind of connected. I think that there's something so cool about those two pieces of community and how and how they fit and how they can be used to like talk about the horrible stuff going on in the city and mm. some of the beautiful things going on in the city and you can just do it really quickly and really cheaply and pass it out and have flyers or print a message that you want to get across and have everyone bring their own t-shirt or print bag to like print this message and get it out it's amazing and I think that queers love that about printmaking at least I do and well, I'm thinking about what you were saying too about that connection between drag and printmaking is so interesting. That idea that you're art making alongside other people, and but also it's highly communicative as well, in the sense that printmaking tends to be more message driven. Uh, and politically oriented than other forms of art making. Oh, sugar. Oh, my God. Oh, my sugar. God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. The mail just got here. Sugar Marie Jacobson. Sugar Marie Jacobson, today is not about you. Hang on. I'll be right back. Oh, my God. Embarrassing. Mortifying. Yeah, no. Okay, sorry. No, no. We were I... talking about being politically organized. Yes, yes. So, okay, let me, let me think about Yeah, so I was talking about how... These, these crossovers that I'd never thought of before. And that is so unexpected and delightful to think about it that way. Before we move on, what would you like people to know if all they know about drag is RuPaul's Drag Race? What's, what's your nugget oh of gold <laughs> or your 12 nuggets of gold that you can, just because it's, it's, I don't want people to come away from the podcast because we've obviously been talking about drag culture and queer spaces a lot without hearing like that there's so much more to it. Yeah. Um, I have been bored with RuPaul's Drag Race for so long. Um, like I love the queens that go on there some of them I think you know like I love I love a talented queen but I think the rubric of uh you know women can't do drag is fucking draconian um <laughs> I think that anybody of any gender uh any orientation any like gay 
LGBTQIA plus person can perform drag and perform gender. I don't think that drag is just a one way. I am masculine, therefore I can only do feminine drag. Like I am not a drag king. There is nothing king nor butch about me. Mm -hmm. I am high femme and I am a non-binary femme and I will perform femme drag. Like, and you can fight me. Um, Yeah, I just, it's insane. I get to identify how I want. So I think it's really important to to tell people about drag. Like it's, so much more than what you see on television. That's such like a, it's such a washed down, highly curated, weird version of it. Like go to your local drag bars and see what's happening. Cause it's, it's really, it's great. Like, mm. and you're going to see some terrible drag and that's actually part of the fun of it. Honestly, sometimes it's torture. Like drag on TV is great. And there is uh, something to be said for the visibility and mm-hmm. the conversation starting that it does. And then I think that like all television, you should really dig deeper into what you're looking at and then go and find the local things. Support local and independent people that do it and go out and look at it and see what it is. So just go find them. Go find the folks that won't get booked on on that kind of show yeah, because yeah. you'll see some of the best art, performance art you've ever seen in your life. And mm-hmm. go and tip them. And please tip them when you go. <laughs> Don't just go to a drag bar to ogle at the talent. Bring one or two or three dollars and give it to the drag queens because they work really hard for not a lot of money and they produce beautiful, comical reliefs from your reality and you deserve uh, they deserve to get paid so please pay them heck yes so speaking again to queer spaces to printmaking to queer printmakers uh i think when this comes out sgci 2020 will be maybe two weeks away maybe three and so um we're all meeting in san juan of course and you're going to be hosting a special event, a special gathering for queer printmakers. And I would love it if you could speak to what that is, what that's going to look like, how people can find it. Yeah, I've been preparing with this. Um, I started this little event at SGCI Las Vegas. I did my first uh, little incubator and I called it Queer Space, which is a lot of what I, um, that's what I call my own private practice. And I was just like panicked. So I was like, this is what it's going to be called. Um, And I just did this little like get together of queer printmakers um, to get together and show them artists that I liked and why it was important to create spaces because uh, this conference historically has not had really any gay programming. I believe I'm one of the only ones, which is insane to me. Yeah, I wanted to get together because I had been to the Georgia one, the Atlanta one, which I'd had a lot of fun at, but I was just like, where are all the gay people? Like, I know they're here. And I and I maybe found like two or three. And I was like, well, um, as like a raging flaming queer, I was like, I need to find them. So I just went out to the bars after hours and I would find a couple people that I had seen and I was like, Oh my gosh. And we kind of connected. And I was like, you know what I should do is like, I really should get together all the gays at this party, you know, like, and I should do it so we can all talk to each other. And like, I had this idea of, um, I really wanted to make a space where we could all connect and talk about like gallery openings that we wanted other people to apply for open calls or, um, grants. Um, it was amazing to meet uh, queer faculty. That was one of the coolest mm-hmm. things, like getting, people that I had no idea there were queer printmaking teachers. Like, I mean, of course, but also like where there's no directory. It's hard to find. It's hard to Google. So just like finding these people that could have this beautiful conversation around like what it's like to be an academic printmaker and a professional working printmaker in the world at these different levels of engagement with the medium and just kind of like, just talk about it and, and get on an email list together and 
you know, meet up and talk about art. I, I've been sent really awesome things of what people are doing in other countries. And I get to see like queer, queer art from all over the place. And it's, it's really cool. And I love it. And I think that I want, I want to like turn that out so everyone can see it and access it. And mm. so my, I, this year I, I took a break from Texas cause I absolutely could not, but, um, this year I'm coming back to San Juan. Um, and I've partnered with this amazing, my amazing colleague, uh, Paul DeRuvo and they are a, a non-binary artist and printmaker and they do a lot of like work around like intimacy and gender and like transfiguring appearance of love and like all this like really super gay stuff. And they're out of Connecticut, but I met them at uh, Vegas and they like loved it. They're like, if you need any help. And like, I remember they were wearing like this really, really strong red lipstick. And I was like, that's yes, like (laughs) I will, I will need your help. And so they were, they would just like check in with me in this year where I didn't really do much because I was working on other, uh, I was working on other performance stuff I was in. And so I would just get these little pings like, Hey, do you want to go? And I was like, I'll think about it maybe. And then it kind of got down to it. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Puerto Rico. Like I not only want to go down there, um, to like create this queer space again. Um, but yeah, I really wanted to go to to, to San Juan because I know that there's like a beautiful thriving queer community down there. And I wanted to like, not only go and see it and support it, but like, I wanted to, you know, gather the gay printmakers that are going to be there. And decided to partner with Paul and this year we are going to go down there and run it again and um, this time we're calling it Queer Space Queer Conclave and we're doing a little incubator at Southern Graphics Council International. What it is like an incubator for people that don't know about this convention is like a little like it's like a freeform discussion panel it's like it can really be anything but it's meant to get people in a room for everyone to like discuss whatever, whatever it is. And usually it's like a technical thing, like how to clean a brayer or whatever cool thing <laughs> it is. And it seemed better than a panel. Cause I didn't like want to get up and just like talk at people. Like I wanted to facilitate conversations. So yeah. the bones of what I want to do is this, like I, um, I like to get up and talk about, you know, queer space and why it's important. And then I pass it off to other artists that want to participate um, and we are still looking for other artists to participate. So if you are queer and a printmaker and you want to tell me what it's like to be a queer printmaker in a couple sentences and send me a picture, please do that. I will give Miranda all the lovely links that you need to get your art mm-hmm. in my hot little hands because I would love to share your art with the world. Please let me share your art with the world. But I like to get up and just show a couple minutes of different printmakers and their work and like what it's like for them and how their queerness impacts their making. Um, and if it does, you know, if they make queer art, yay, or art about queer things or art about horses or whatever it is, like I love to hear about it. Art about queer um, horses. Art about queer horses. This is the era for it. I like to um, break it off and then have everyone discuss with each other and like get in small groups and just like talk about what their experiences are like. And that's how, and then like, they kind of like each would share little bits and pieces of it. Um, and yeah, just kind of get to know each other and and know we exist and know that you can call upon us for projects and support and resources. And I think there's something really important about sharing, get, getting feedback and critical critiques about your queer art and art that you're making from another queer person. I think yes. that there's something so vital, like, I remember being in class and even though I had amazing instructors who I loved very dearly, sometimes I felt like they just didn't get it. Maybe they tried to, but like they just couldn't quite under understand what I was talking about or what this other queer person was talking about. And we'd have this moment where we'd lock eyes, me and other queer students, A or B, and we'd just be like, 
no, I get it. Like, I know I see what you're doing. So why don't you like shift it this way if you want this message? And it was just like so nice to be able to have another person that understood a similar experience to mine or I understood a similar experience to theirs and like what they were, that emotion that they were trying to get across that wasn't quite reading for the general audience or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. I think there was something just like so beautiful, just like working with Kirsten this summer. It was so amazing to just get that feedback from people that know and that are aware of the importance of what you're trying to make and like why it's so vital that you make this art about this specific Mm -hmm. thing and why it's important. So yeah, I I want to make this little incubator, this jumping off point. Paul and I have created a little Instagram at Queer Conclave for people to start kind of getting together online too. Because my uh, my goal is to make a online website where we can like share our art and share resources and do all that kind of stuff. And that's a little ways away, but like I wanted to just start a little tiny space. Uh, a little baby space to start sharing each other's art and mm-hmm. commenting on it and just being able to talk about it and see it and share it and get ideas and all, all of that fun stuff that I love. Yeah. So that's what that's what we're doing within the conference itself. So it's a second version of one that I've already done. And um, I am also hoping that I can find a bunch of amazing queer artists living in San Juan and Puerto Rican artists that are queer that want to come and share their art too. I've sent out a bunch of like little emails and letters and we're um, so if you know anybody, if you are if you are listening and you are in San Juan or Puerto Rico and you want to share or are Puerto Rican and living anywhere and you want to share your art with us and just send me a picture or two of the art that you make and, you know, about your queerness and your art or just about your art, I would love to share it uh, with people at this conference. I really want to center the Puerto Rican queer maker experience um, mm-hmm. at this incubator. And I just want to hear, I want to hear all about your beautiful art and hear about all your beautiful spaces. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what that is. And so I'm wanting to raise awareness around it because I want people to go to it and I just want everyone to understand how important it is to mm-hmm. have queer art and how important our gaze is and how important yeah. our art is. And, and again, like to bring it, to bring it back to that community and those spaces, so, so significant what you were saying about being able to get feedback from people with your shared experience is... Like, you can't understate that, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. And and while, you know, not everyone is going to be living in a major city that has a thriving and safe queer community and access to print shops and all of and that community as well, creating the digital spaces, I think, is really important too. And I love that's what you're doing. You've got an Instagram for the Queer Conclave now and... Hopefully, the queer incubators can foster relationships that can continue. Like you were talking about, like you met Paul in Las Vegas, and then you're able to stay in contact. And then all of a sudden, you're building something together. And we're lucky enough to live in a time where that can happen. And so hopefully, it's the kind of thing that will be a seed for something that can grow a lot bigger and create a community that can be supportive, even long distance. It is my every waking hour. I'm just like, how do I like, how do I make this thing happen? Like, how do I get all these people together in a room and like get us to not like let go again and for everyone to just kind of stay in contact Mm, and just mm -hmm. because I know how cool it would be to just have this like thriving international queer printmaking community that can just be like, here's a residency. Here's this like, come stay with me. Like, I'm going to be in Wisconsin for this for the school and I don't know anybody gay. And it's like, well, there's three queer printmakers already here. Like Mm -hmm. we went to that school like don't go to that teacher, go talk to this one. Like, you know, just having that kind of resource where you can just find out 
tidbits and know things, especially with printmaking, which, cause it is so communal. Like it's so mm-hmm. nice to just have that little extra layer of, and also gay, you know, beautiful. Um, another thing that I'm really stoked about too, is that we are in talks right now. It's not finalized. Um, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, it will be, and I can give you an official name, but Paul and I are also going to try to do uh, a version of this queer incubator at a queer space in San Juan for just like the general queer public. So not just printmaking, but just like all queer art. Like what is it like to be a queer artist in San Juan? Mm. And we're going to be um, this, this month, I'm going to be raising money and making prints and like having this little, I think I might send up a GoFundMe or just send my Venmo out there, but I'm going to raise a bunch of money just to like give to queer spaces down there. Um, and I'm in talks with one. So if I get to, if I'm lucky enough to be able to be booked there, we'll do it there and they'll promote it as well. So we'll have like local artists come and I really just want to like donate a bunch of money to them so that they can keep doing all their good work and keep supporting their community. They've done a lot of like earthquake relief support and they're just like a really strong pillar of the community. And so I just really want to make sure that they are there for a long time and anything that I can do to help and that we can do to help as printmakers, I think is important. Um, I'm also like grabbing extra stuff to go down and like donate to print shops down there. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're all attending that conference, there's some really good links where you can buy supplies or bring down supplies that are needed for local printmaking shops. And I think that that's always really important to think about just because we should just like help, help it out. It's hard to get some of that stuff. So just bring it, just bring it in your bag. Absolutely. And the podcast that'll be released before this one is with Joseph Velasquez, who did the Let's Leave a Press and started the... Amazing. Um, so we can double down on that, put that link in there as well. And so hopefully we're going to have two back-to-back episodes for This Is How We Can Support Printmaking in Puerto Rico. I think that that might be, that might be all people can handle. <laughs> oh, first. that's a lot. It's I, already a lot. lot. I can put links... Uh, in the show notes and on the website on the Instagram um, to everything that's happening all of those good things all of that great queer community building and and love that will be found in San Juan in just a month's time we'll put all the links in there and then where can people find you though if they want to know about Jessica personally and your work and your art and your drag work and all of that Oh, wow. Well, um, you can, I'm most active on my Instagram um, at Jess the Deluxe, J-E-S-T-H-E-D-E-L-U-X-E. Pretty sure I spelled that right. If not, you got to cut it out. Um, and then also my website, I have, it's just uh, jessicamariemercy.com. And there's my art there. I'm about to throw up a bunch of my new stuff that I made this year. I'm really excited about. But you can see my older works from Pony and some of my other digital stuff, my ceramic stuff there, and see what I look like. But yeah, my Instagram is where I post a lot of stuff, but mostly like drag and weird performance stuff. So uh, it's safe for work, I guess. So at your own risk, <laughs> that would be say. At your own risk. Um, but yeah, you can see a lot of my performance stuff and what I do. A lot of my drag is, is on that. Um, and then I have little highlights with some of my art in there. And I think that it's, you know, I mean, it's it's all holistic, right? Like, it doesn't make sense for us to compartmentalize ourselves and say, this whole other side of my creative practice, you don't need to know about that. Like, you don't need to see my drag to see my printmaking, which, of course, is silly, because that... <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. like, I mean, you'll see it whether you like it or not. I mean, I make <laughs> art about myself, too, so it's out there. I literally, I have a whole set of pieces that are really fantastic about them and visibility, where it's just my... 
I make up wipe my face. Like I do a beautiful press into this like cotton dampened cloth and I release it and it's my makeup of the night. So like I am fine with people. Like everyone's going to know. Yeah. They're all going to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so yeah, good. It's super fun. I, yeah, I love, I think that my life and my art just are like so grossly connected. Like I can't stop. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to, I'm happy to share it with everybody. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad we were finally able to do this and thank you for all the work that you're doing and for being the person like putting in all this energy to build queer spaces and work on queer visibility. It is so important and it's so beautiful what you're doing and I am just honored to, to know you and I think it's it's so it's so so good and I'm really looking forward to sharing what you're doing with everyone and I'll be in touch. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for using your platform to uplift so many awesome artists and generally being rad and awesome and cool. Likewise. Right back wow. at you for being rad and awesome and cool. We're going we're gonna to edit this so we don't just sound like big nerds with crushes on each other. I promise. Let's I'll make never. it better. Well, that's our show for this week. Join me again in a week's time, if I can get it together, for my beautiful chat with Killjoy, a printmaker and muralist whose practice is many, many things, but we talk in depth about the incredible healing power of plants. I can't think of a better timing for this. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing help from Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you in a week.